Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for Cover 2 Broncos. Just a couple dudes breaking down scheme, film, and the numbers. Now, your hosts, Joe Rowles and Jeff Welcome Essery. back to another episode of Cover 2 Broncos. I'm Joe Rowles. Jeff Essery is out to Oregon for one more week for the holidays, but I am fortunate today to be joined by the End Zone podcast, Eric Jensen, who also covers the Raiders for KZNS 1280, the Zone Sports Network, and we are going to talk some Broncos Raiders. Thanks for coming on, Eric. I am stoked. I'm I'm psyched as well. Thanks for having me, Joe. I appreciate it. How are things going with you? I I am I, I have a little bit of Florida, Oklahoma on behind me, uh, checking in on you know. So are Kyle you? Trask a, I was gonna say, bit. are you a Kyle Trask fan? Uh yeah, he's sort of a guy uh, I'd like the Broncos to make. Like if he falls to like third round ish, like he, I, I think he's worth taking a shot. I know people have like arm strength concerns uh, and he's got a little bit, he's thrown a few interceptions that are a little bit head scratching, but I mean, it's, I, it wouldn't be bad, but it sounds like they're going not to totally derail us early, but it sounds like they're going the more veteran route from the stuff I've been seeing out of uh, Benjamin Albright's Twitter and some Denver Broncos fan run kind of, but also like pretty well sourced, like Instagram pages, Denver Broncos 365, I think are called it. They do a pretty decent job, but they said that they're going after more of the um, veteran guys. And in that case, I mean, we can talk about that later, but yeah, 
I, I'm sorry. I already do Lorraine. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm very, I'm very uh, thankful that you had me on, but I am a uh, known rambler and like the sound of my voice far too much. So I'll, I'll let you take back over here. No, you're good. I, I also like to ramble. Um, I wanted to get your thoughts kind of on, I, I assume you watched the Broncos loss to the chargers. Yep. What stood out to you the most in that game? Hmm. Well, I honestly thought that that's the best I've seen Drew Locke play in in a little while. Um, the interception, like, sure, he probably needs to throw that away. But for anyone who's not really um, plugged into what I do, uh, I am very critical of Drew Locke in general. Uh, I have, I've not been a fan of him at points, but I, I honestly thought, you know, the, the biggest story is the Jerry Judy drops. But if if those Jerry Judy drops become catches, if you look at it, he adds about 180 yards by my calculation, plus like uh, there's one deep shot where Judy's just got to beat the safety in a foot race. So I, I, I'd consider that a TV TD and then there's one in the end zone. So like two touchdowns, I honestly thought that he had a great day. I, I got to watching a little bit of the all 22 today. I mean, he, he's still kind of a first read guy, but he didn't throw anything that you know, would obviously get picked off. I thought he looked off some good coverage. Um, I, I I generally think that this is one of the best games he's played. Uh, and if, you know, Jerry Judy catches those balls, we're, we're talking about a much different scenario. And, you know, the people who do this professionally at PFF tend to agree. I think this was one of his highest graded games by PFF too. I think he scored a 77, even though the stat line doesn't look super impressive. I just thought he was um, outstanding in this one. And then defensively, uh, I was really impressed with how they contained Austin Eckler. He has been, he had been terrorizing people for about the last three weeks. And you, you can say what you want about the Broncos linebackers. Yes, they struggle in coverage, but they are extremely good at stopping the run. They don't often get gashed by running games with the fluke of the Buffalo game aside. I just can't think back to that many times where I've looked at the Broncos defense and said stopping the run is an issue here. They they Maybe the first time they played the Raiders, but – that was definitely a problem, but uh, I thought the linebackers played exceptionally well. I mean, the court, like the defense was what it has been all year, which is exceptionally well coached. They followed the Vic Fangio game plan, and you know the corners did what they were asked. They didn't get gashed. Like Justin Herbert has been gashing teams recently. Uh, Chargers didn't have the big plays, so I, I thought that was promising. And I mean. You know, it's a three-point loss, and if Brandon McManus doesn't, you know, doink two field goals, then the um, well, not two, but back to back, then th- th- this game goes to overtime, and it's a completely uh, different game. But yeah, I th- those were just some kind of some of my surface takeaways. I was also 
I also don't put that a ton on McManus because I just think I know he didn't have COVID, uh, but he was just on the list. At least that's what the reading I did this morning said. I had had originally thought he had COVID and reading about like, you know, the mental fogginess that comes with that afterwards. I kind of thought, oh, well, it makes sense that he missed those kicks. But still, I mean, if you get out, get taken out of your rhythm as a kicker for like 10 days, like that's got to be tough to come back in and, and with limited practice, you know, start hitting stuff again. And he was, you know, the broadcast showed he was struggling beforehand. So that's a lot of information. But overall, I mean, it always sucks when they lose. And, and there were definitely moments of real disappointment in this game, notably Jerry, Judy, and 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 all the drops. But I, I thought it was very promising in other places, especially with Drew Locke. Yeah, I mean – I would say it's right up there with the New England game is probably one of the best Drew Locke games that the stats, the box score stats kind of hide. Uh, yeah. Because again, the, the New England game, there was the, the drops touchdowns by Alberto. This yeah. game, like you said, there was probably two dropped, especially definitely one drop touchdown by Judy, potentially two. And I get it. And I understand the uh, kind of after the game, that's been kind of the talking point is Jerry Judy let him down. Blame the fact that I love Jerry Judy because I've loved Jerry Judy long before he became a Bronco, but I, I remain sky high on Judy because I do think that he'll have better days like this. It's not altogether surprising that he had drops because Judy has had issues with drops dating back to Alabama. But that said, I mean, first season Cortland Sutton had drops. Like I'm not, I'm not worried yet about the, about that. I do think, some of it was in his head and he continued to beat himself up, which led to more issues down the road as the game progressed. But that said, he got open enough to earn 14 targets and that's a skill that is going to continue to be a skill. So, so long as he kind of hones in his catch technique and gets better at the concentration stuff, I'm not especially worried there. Um, like you said, I do think Brandon McManus's missed kick. And then the second missed kick after the penalty that hurt a lot. It was the first time McManus has missed a kick inside the 40 yard line in three years that you, you know, not counting extra points. Um, I also think the Broncos red zone pick on their first drive into the red zone that hurt a lot. Um, and I'm not necessarily looking to blame somebody or the other, but the Broncos came out in an empty look. It was the only the second time the Broncos have used empty since the Raiders game in week 10 and Locke felt pressure. Um, the Chargers ended up running a stunt where 90, I think it was 93, ended up looping back across Elijah Wilkinson, flashed in the hole, Wilk, uh, Locke saw him, saw an opening to his left between Bulls and Reisner and ran left and then ended up throwing late to Deshaun Hamilton, which ended up being a pick. Um, I thought when the, the Chargers got into the red zone, there was the play where Josie Jewell was running a trap the ball ended up hitting him right in the hands and he didn't catch it. That's probably three points that could have gone the other way. Uh, and then I think Malik Reed, I, I thought Malik Reed, when he forced the fumble, the way the ball bounced, there was an opportunity for Jeremiah Tachu to fall on the ball, but he did not. He ended up trying to scoop it up to, to scoop and score. Uh, and it gave Donald Parham a chance to fall on the ball in front of him and they got the ball. If the Broncos would have fallen on that ball, 
they would have had about 40 seconds with two timeouts at about their own 30 yard line. So like that's pro again, that's a three point swing at least probably. Um, so again, I, I do think Jerry Judy had a bad game. Like I'm not, I'm not trying to excuse that, but I think there was four other chances where the Broncos could have made a difference in the final score. So I don't think it, again, when you win, when you lose the way football works, it comes down to inches a lot of times. And the Broncos just didn't make enough plays at the end to come up on the other end of it. So it was painful. Uh, I mean, I, I don't think that I don't think the Chargers offensive line or defensive line were good enough to beat the Broncos. I thought the Broncos won both sides of the line of scrimmage against the Chargers. It just didn't go their way. Um, that said, I agree with you, though. Locke looked really good. He was not under pressure very often. So I'm very curious to see what that means for this Raiders game coming up because they have better players along the edge than what was left of the Chargers. Um, Joey Bosa and Nuosu missed the game. Melvin Ingram has been out for a while. So the Chargers yeah. were down to their fourth string edge rusher in the Broncos game. Last I checked, Max Crosby's going to play for the Raiders and he's pretty decent. He's had a down year. I will say that about Max Crosby. He's only put up about, I believe the last time I checked, it was six sacks. Um, he is, he has just not been as good as they needed him to be. He was super promising towards the end of last year was a big off-season hype guy for, for a lot of people, including myself. But he has he just not really taken the next step. Um, and I, I thought the Broncos contained him pretty well in that first matchup. Um, I, I don't really – watching the Raiders every week, like nothing about that defense gives me pause. I mean, maybe Trayvon Mullins, who, who's a decent corner to have, but and he's played it okay at points this year. But even like, even you know, Jonathan Joseph, their safety, like who who has missed a lot of time with injury this year, like and who they who I had super high hopes for. I I, I was like. He hits hard, but he's he he doesn't really take great angles. Um, he's kind of bad at diagnosing the run, in my opinion, and his coverage skills are subpar. So I don't know. I just I were I, I nothing about the Raiders' ability to get to Drew Locke really gives me pause. Okay, but uh, you know. A lot, a lot of stuff could happen, and and I just don't think they're super well coached defensively. I mean, they fired the defensive coordinator two weeks ago, and and nothing changed. I mean, they're they're pretty much the exact same defense, and yeah, I I just I don't know. There, that's the one part of th this game where I see and why I was so shocked at the way they handled the Broncos last time. Was I mean, if Drew Locke doesn't throw those three picks, they're probably you know in that game. Like oh, as long as you don't turn the ball over against the Raiders, you're gonna put up points against the Raiders. And uh, I I mean, if Drew Locke can do that, I, I think the offense has a chance to finish the season on a really positive note. There was a very very small moment in time between uh, Locke rushing for a touchdown in the second quarter and the ref hitting Noah Fant for a penalty 
where the Broncos actually had a 12 to 10 lead last time. But then obviously like Locke wouldn't have scored his touchdown without no fan holding. So uh, I agree though. I think it came down to Locke's turnovers really being the difference in the game last time. The Broncos were running a lot more aggressively as far as their pass sets go. They were an empty a lot. I think that helps the Raiders because they do do a decent job of mixing in simulated pressures. They did that to Tua Togovailoa last week, and I thought that was an issue for the Dolphins. Uh, but the one thing that gives me a lot of encouragement going forward is since that Raiders game, the Broncos have basically taken the ball out of Locke's hands a lot. They've become a lot more run the ball. They've become like – it's Melvin Gordon's offense. And that sounds mm-hmm. weird, but they are. They're a ground-and-pound offense that relies on establishing play action and staying out out of must pass opportunities as much as they can, and when they and when Julak does drop back to pass, they try to give him easier reads. Um, what's scary about that is a lot of their route combinations really, really rely on sit routes and hitches, and I do think that that's easy to game plan against as far, if you're Rod Marinelli. But when you when you mix in, if if Melvin Gordon can keep the ball moving, they can establish play action, so you have to actually respect that. There's going to be opportunities for Locke to find easy completions underneath. Um, I do think that the Raiders are going to try and bait some throws in Jonathan Abrams' direction because they did it against Miami where he would cap on a slot receiver. And then as Tua ends up hitting the receiver, Abrams right there to try and blow him up. The Broncos do something similar with Simmons, but Simmons is actually a threat to pick the ball off, whereas I think Abrams is just there to hammer guys. But, I mean... I, th- I think this is going to be a great game to see kind of the progress Locke has shown since week 10 because the Raiders have game, like they have game plans for Locke. This is his third game against the Raiders defense. They've seen him. They know what he is. They know what he can do. They know what's worked and they know what hasn't. So they're, they're going to try and knock him off his game. I mean, at this point, everybody knows that if you get Locke into must-pass situations, and give him a snap. Uh, give him a look after the snap that is not the same as what he saw before the snap. You have a chance. So I could see some of that mixing in. Uh, but yeah, I, I I think the Broncos are going to put up points. I'd be really disappointed if they don't. If this game turns into another week ten where Locke throws four picks, it's going to kind of it's kind of kind of close the book on him. I think. And I and I don't want to put like all that pressure on one game. But I think that that's where this one is at. Honestly, I'm, I'm actually more, I'm more curious to see what happens with the Broncos defense against Derek Carr, because Derek Carr has been quietly a really good quarterback this year. Yeah. I mean, they, I, I would say this has been the best season of his career. Yes. I, Cause I've been curious. I've gone back and I've watched that, that 2015 year or whatever it was where he breaks his leg. The, the the NFL, what people f- forget is they think, oh, that was like such an air-heavy offense. Like, oh, they were throwing the ball. He looked like one of the greatest passers in the league. Sure, he did, but like the way passing offenses have evolved since 2015 is like a little bit bonkers to me. Like, it's just a completely different game. Like, imagine telling someone that you were going to have passers – and offenses like Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes, who were basically going to put up 40 touchdowns a year through the air. 
like I don't think I would have believed you if you told me that in, in 2015. Like people thought that, you know, Peyton Manning's first season with the Broncos where he puts up like in the high 30s was super impressive. Like it it has been his best year, I guess. I just to to back you up on that. I think Carr has looked incredibly impressive. He's had ups and downs. It hasn't been necessarily consistent. He's had bad games, but I mean, he in the biggest moments he showed up, and that's what people who are evaluating this stuff and and have these takes, you know, remember it's not as consistent as a guy like, you know, obviously like one of these other top 10 quarterbacks, but what he's done has been show up and have the ability to throw for 200, 300 yards a game. And really most importantly for him, especially over the past few years, his turnovers are just way down. And when they get, and what has kind of been the consistent um, theme of this, like almost six game losing streak that they're on right now is he's turned the ball over in almost every game before this. He had, I was, I went back to look at this. He had less than six turnovers over like the first 10 games. And, was just playing really impressive, smart football. And that has just gone away for him, but it doesn't really matter. It's still his most impressive season. That said, I don't think it's smart for the Raiders to roll with him still because I just can't get over the Marcus Mariota game. I just can't because they looked like a completely different offense with him in. And the fact that he got on the field and basically every time the Raiders have the ball in that game, they scored. I I get that you have to prevent like quarterback controversies, but you people who think that Derek Carr and John Gruden have a strained relationship can just throw those takes out the window. Because if that was the case, he would have gone to Mariota because Mariota outplayed Derek Carr. And he should still have the starting job, if I'm completely honest here. I think it would have given them a better chance to win against the Dolphins. I'm I'm intrigued to see if Marcus Mariota plays any against the Broncos because we do know that Mariota was taking snaps with the offense last week before the Dolphins game. And the Broncos have had issues with mobile quarterbacks. And Chucky clearly showed that he has a package for Mariota's legs that works and it would add an element to the red zone offense. That would be a huge issue for Fangio. And honestly, if the Raiders are going to try and beat the Broncos, they're going to need to be able to do something in the red zone. That's honestly where Fangio has kept them alive. Um, so I am, I am really curious to see what we like, if there's any sort of curveball that way, because here's the thing, the Raiders like are like a the- two quarterbacks set. I mean, Something like that, you think? I, I just can't here, see. Here. I don't think you're saying that, but I can't see Gruden doing that. The thing here's the thing with the Raiders, like kind of on both sides of it. The Raiders are playing for nothing but pride at this point. And again, I like you want to finish strong, especially after two heartbreaking losses. But the other thing is, from like a financial reality type of situation, the Raiders have about thirty-two million dollars devoted to the quarterback position next year, and but Mariota can. Basically, if you cut him or trade him, he costs you nothing. If they decide to move on from Carr, 
it costs them $2.5 million. So if there's any part in Gruden, like if there's any part of Gruden's mind that thinks Mariota couldn't become the QB one going into next year and onward. And again, like he was sky high on him before the draft. This might be the perfect opportunity to do that. That said, we have gotten no hints that that's going to be what happens. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I can't help but be aware of the fact that Mariota did get snaps of the first team offense last week. So you can't rule it out. Is I guess is what I'm saying. I, I kind of can because I I would have been with you a week ago if you said this, but I think the fact that he started Carr last week and the fact that Carr saw most of the entire game, even when the offense started to go in the tank down the stretch, I think that shows where John Gruden's like allegiances lie and. I don't think Derek Carr's job is necessarily safe this offseason. It wouldn't shock me if Gruden goes and chases after another quarterback. Um, that would never chase me. It never shock me. I just think that's the type of guy John Gruden is, is he's just always going to be looking for the next shiny thing. He's a little bit Elway-like in that kind of foray. He's, he really likes going after his type of guy. Um, but man, I, I just don't see that happening. I think it should happen, but I just don't, I don't know. I, I, I hope that you're right. I hope we do get to see Marcus Mariota because he, he, even though Derek Carr has had the best season of his career, I mean, he's still an incredibly like milk toast quarterback to watch very kind of, you know, safe with it. But I mean, I was honestly super impressed with Marcus Mariota's arm. I mean, he's always had a good arm, and when he had his best success in Tennessee, he was being a downfield passer, um, and they kind of let him do that, and he looked like he still had the touch and the accuracy, and I, I would just be shocked if he doesn't get a legitimate chance to start somewhere next year. I, I would just be a little bit shocked if if that's not the case. Because he never really had a real offensive coordinator outside of the beginnings of Arthur Smith, and he doesn't really fit in with an Arthur Smith type offense. And I just, I, I would not be shocked if he gets a real chance to start somewhere next year. I think he's, I think he's that good a quarterback. I just, I, I. I I buy the whole I, I buy the Tannehill thing. I think that quarterbacks can develop later in their career and there are some guys who are just late bloomers and he is one of those guys. And don't look now, but Mitch Trubisky, I know well, I don't need to get into this, but he might be one of those guys with the way he's played over the past month. He's he's looked pretty okay. I wanna cir- I wanna circle back to that because I, I wanna tie that to Locke a little bit. Um the other two big things that I kinda wanna the other two big things that I'm really worried about with the Raiders is Darren Waller. Um, Darren Waller yep. is essentially the Raiders' number one wide receiver. I know he plays tight end, but he has 100. He has 130 target, 38 targets through 16 games. No other member of the Raiders is above 78, and that's Nelson Aguilar. And then Hunter Renfro has 70. And last time around, Waller only actually had uh, five targets against the Broncos. It's the only time. It's the only time this year, other than the Patriots game, 
where he had less than six targets in a game. But that said, the Broncos are basically down to super glue in the secondary at this point. They have Michael Ojemudier, and then every other member of the cornerback room has been on two teams or more this year. So, like, their cornerback situation is quite dire. And, and Josie Jewell just had I, a pretty rough outing yeah. against the Chargers. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you agree with this. I just uh, – let me throw out a take here. I just think that everybody – and we'll get to more in depth later. Everybody who sees the – like these mock drafts, if the Broncos take a linebacker, they have them somehow getting like this Micah Parsons kid or whatever. He he's an edge rusher. Like I don't I, I, I don't know about much about the draft, but to me, that's not where this team needs help. This team needs a coverage linebacker because none of these guys can cover. And they play in the best uh, tight end division in the entire NFL. So so I'm not as low on the Broncos linebacker core as you are. Uh I think Alexander Johnson does okay. And I think Josie Jewell does a I think Josie Jewell is passable. I think he's a marginal coverage player. I think he does a good job with his checks, and I think he does a decent job of being where he's asked to be. I think both Alexander Johnson and Josie Jewell have physical limitations that show up in coverage. Um, their ability to change direction, their de- their drops of their depth, or the the depth of their drops, like all that kind of stuff shows up. I think it shows up in long yardage with the way Fangio uses them. Um, but that said, I've only watched two games of Micah Parsons so far. I've, I've really done a bad job of keeping up with the draft because I kind of plan to just completely devote myself to it starting on Monday of next week. Um, but I have watched two games of Micah Parsons. I kind of agree with you. Uh, he's a It's not that I hate him. I think he's a good player. But I, I question the fit next to Alexander Johnson, who will be back next year because Alexander Johnson's a restricted free agent. The Broncos aren't going to let him go. He's a very good run defender. He's very yeah. good at blitzes. They're not going to let him go at like for nothing. So like they're going to heap him. He's going to start next year. I would be very shocked if he doesn't. That said, I think you're right. I think ideally they're looking for a Patrick Queen type. And I know that they drafted Justin Sternod and he got hurt. I know that there's some hope that he can come back and show up. I don't think you can go into next year thinking that he's the only option there. So I think that they're going to try and get another guy who fits that type of skill set. Because here's the thing, as much as we like as much as people have complained about Josie Jewell and Alexander Johnson in coverage, they've played something close to ninety-nine percent of the Broncos snaps this year at linebacker. So Vic Fangio clearly prefers them to every other option. Yeah. My thing is this. I just think coverage linebacker is like the oh, Broncos, it's to me, hard. they they need an elite guy at that position because I mean, I mean, you you say it's valuable, but I think, I think in an ideal world, every single team in the NFL has a coverage linebacker who can play essentially as a safety on passing downs. Because I yeah. think in the modern NFL, you essentially need somebody who can patrol the middle of the field and actually be a weapon there. Um, and again, some of those guys aren't necessarily linebackers; some of them actually are safeties. But I think you do need that player to defend in the modern NFL because otherwise they'll just continue to cut what, what ends up happening. And this happens to the Broncos a lot is they run a conflict at that linebacker. So what they do is they get him chasing a ghost going one way and then they have a route coming up underneath him and it forces him to have to make a decision. And it gets a good player with the kind of uh, mobility to adjust like that. You're fine. And the other thing is like you, you saw Josie Jewell on a trap. 
part of the reason Josie Jewell missed that interception on Justin Herbert is he was he didn't have the quickness to get over across and get a good clean grasp on the ball. He was reaching and it got him. It got him in the hands, but it got near the tip top of his hands and he just couldn't pull it in. You want somebody who either is going to make that read faster, and I don't have a question about Josie Jewell reading the field. So I think I don't think it's a I don't think it's a mental problem for Jewel. I think he does the things you need him to do. I just don't think he has the physical tools to necessarily be an A starter. I think he's a C list starter. And again, like that's fine. I think there's bigger needs on the Broncos, but if you can upgrade that position, I think you have to. Yeah, I know it's just exponentially more important because of the situational implications of it because i mean you look at it i mean travis be all pro the hands down all pro hunter henry has played really well and i would honestly dude i i would honestly put darren waller as the second team all pro this year i just don't think there's any debate about it like he has just jumped into that same category as i vote for for sure that's those yeah, are my two. As, be Kelsey and Waller. Yeah, as like a guy who's on the same level as Kelsey. Like you could see it starting a little bit last year, but the way they used him this year, like yeah. And I mean, uh, to me, you become that type of all pro player when, especially, it's so cliche, but like when they played the Patriots, like Bill Belichick talked all week about, oh yeah, Darren Waller's like the best tight end in football. When Bill Belichick gives you like that stuff where he's like, oh yeah, he's the best in football. And then he goes up to these guys before the games and it's like, oh yeah, we're triple teaming you today. Good luck doing anything. Well, I mean, so like, and, and he didn't show up in the Patriots game. At that point, I look at that person and I say, okay, you are like, just set for the next 10 years of your career. You're going to continue to be the all pro at your position. And, and he's under contract for a while there. So uh, I, I think that, you know, covering, I, I don't think you have anything contrary to say, I just wanted to point out like the, it's, it's a loaded division at tight end. No, I agree. And, Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I don't really have anything to add to that. I, I, I do think that Travis Kelsey and Darren Walder create a situation where you do have to have a real answer for them. Um, I do think it was encouraging that the Broncos found a way to slow down Waller last time because one of the things the Broncos will do is they'll use Justin Simmons in that role and they'll ask right. Kareem Jackson to come down. They rely on their safeties in a way that a lot of teams don't because a lot of teams base out of single high coverage, whereas the Broncos use a lot of split. Um. And that ends up helping some because they'll end up they'll give him the kind of focus from those positions that helps make up for some of the coverage issues with their linebackers. I just think ideally you don't have to. I think in an ideal world you have a Rokon Smith and those safeties, and then you have a lot of uh, versatility with what you do in coverage, and that creates more opportunities for turnovers as well. Um, the other area that I'm actually really concerned about with the Raiders is kind of weird because the numbers don't bear it out. 
Josh Jacobs made the Pro Bowl this year, which is really odd to me because the Raiders, like he averaged 3.8 yards a carry, and the Raiders are actually 25th in the league in rushing DVOA. Um, They've actually only had four games this entire season with a positive DVOA. Um, They did well against Carolina, who's really bad. Kansas City, who can't stop the run. The Chargers, who have had issues stopping the run for years now. And then Denver. Um, And that was kind of the first time Denver gave up a big game on the ground in a way that made me kind of – it caught my eye because it happened right around the time that Mike Purcell was out. And at the time, I thought, well, the Broncos are giving up yards on the ground because they're making sure you can't beat them through the air. And Jacobs did have, he had 112 yards, averaged 5.3 yards a carry, and he had two touchdowns. But since then, the Broncos' run defense is actually, it's fallen off quite a bit. Um, and the Broncos are still trying to stop the pass first. They're playing a lot of two safety looks. They're playing in a nickel personnel set a lot. So I do believe that with Nelson Aguilar and Henry Ruggs, the Broncos are essentially just choosing We'll let Josh Jacobs beat us if he can, but we're not going to let the vertical guys get us. Um, but I do wonder how – I wonder how Fangio is going to try and answer in the red zone because I think that's where Josh Jacobs could be a problem. Any thoughts? Yeah. He's a really interesting case, Josh Jacobs, because the numbers say he's a case where he made the Pro Bowl because you get a bunch of fans looking at the numbers, but – He's extremely boomer bust. Like you look at like I know this because I I follow the Raiders closely and also he was on my fantasy team for a large portion of the game uh, of the year. I mean, he has these games where he'll go off for like two or three touchdowns and insane yardage. But there are other games where he gets all the touches and he just doesn't average that much uh yardage and in those games, it's because the Raiders use him as like kind of his power back, and then they use former Bronco Devontae Booker as kind of the scat guy uh, and the guy out of the backfield in the passing game. And also, it's super easy to neutralize Jake's, Josh Jacobs in the red zone because he's just not a passing threat for them. I don't know if it's because he doesn't have the skills to do it or, or what the deal is, but they just don't throw the ball to him. He, he doesn't rack up receptions. He, I believe, has less than like 20 on the year thus far. And he he is a really interesting guy that, you know, the name's there, but he, I don't, he's not quite as good as people necessarily think he is. So... Looking at the game, um, from a from a playoff perspective, it means nothing. Like neither of these teams are going to make the playoffs this year, right? Yeah. Um, I've seen a lot of discussion by members of Broncos country that the Broncos would actually benefit more from losing this game than they would from winning this game. What? How do you feel about it? Uh I fall into shout out to my guy Nick Kendall. I fall into the Nick Kendall school of thought where if the Broncos are bad, I just want them to be as bad as humanly possible because to me, the worst, the worst possible situation for an NFL team. If you ask me, okay, Eric, your team's going to go four and 12 to worse, 
or your team's going to go between seven and nine and nine and seven. I would much rather take four and 12 just because the draft is so important these days. And if you can get the right guys, you can turn the franchise around so quickly. I, I think draft picks matter. That said, obviously the Broncos are not thinking that way. They are thinking we want to win this game. You know, Vic Fangio was never in any danger of losing his job, but he's not. Yeah. I mean, he's not the type of guy. If you listen to anything, he says that he's going to take time off or, or say, okay, let's tank to get a draft pick. But it's just not the kind of coach he is. And I don't think that's the kind of GM John Elway is. And I, I think you want, so you have to look at it. You can look at it that way and say, okay, well, doom and gloom are not going to get a great draft pick if they win. But now what I just want to see from the Broncos result doesn't matter much to me. I just want to see the offense work. I mean, every quarterback that has played Greg Rosenfall from NFL media had this great tweet a few weeks ago. And he says uh, that said watching Raiders games is so fun because it's just a pro day for the other offense. And he's right. I mean, you look at every single offense that goes against it. Look at what the Jets did to this team. Like, they moved the ball. That was Sam Darnold's best game of the year. Like, they looked like a legitimate NFL offense in, in that game, but, you know, they lose because Greg Williams is an idiot. Like, I, it's very concerning to me, but the first time these two teams met, the Broncos offense just couldn't get moving and the fact that Drew Locke turned over the ball so much. That was super concerning to me. And, I, you know, if the Broncos, to me, a successful Broncos win is a game here is a game where they drop 28 points or more and and, and have four touchdowns. Because I, I think that that's very easily accomplishable against this team. And I think they have the pieces to do it. I'd like to see, like, Noah Fant has been largely absent from the game plan and the box score. Um, not that the box score means everything, but he just hasn't put up the numbers the past, sec really, the second half of the season. And you could say that's injuries. You can say this is that, this, that, or the other. But he started the season with so much promise, like, I, I want to see more of that. I want to see him, you know, regain that form. I, I want to see Jerry Judy get better. I wanted to, to see him make that those catches. I mean, I've been incredibly impressed with Deshaun Hamilton most of the year. I want to see them get him get more involved. I think he can have a big day here because they do a really bad job, the Raiders, of covering slot guys just because they run so thin at corner. And, you know, I don't know KJ Hamler's status for this game, but he he's been one of my favorite guys to watch, and I really want to see him go off and and put up some numbers uh, as well. So I I want the Broncos to win. Is it going to help their draft position? No, but uh, you know at this point that's not the way this organization, you know, functions. So I, I'm expecting to win on Sunday. And if they don't win Sunday, I'll, I'll be a little disappointed. I think personally, and, and I, and I talked about this on Twitter a couple days ago. I think a fan, like any fan who wants the Broncos to lose, that's totally good because 
this year has been awful. And if you want to root for the draft, you can totally root for the draft. And this game does have huge consequences for the draft. Um, that said, I'm rooting for a win unless the Broncos look as unless the Broncos look as hopeless as the Jets and they're looking to fall into Trevor Lawrence or something like that. Like I'm not going to root for a tanking season. I just can't do it. I would much rather win the game because it's more fun to go back over a game when you know the team won. Um, I end up watching these games a stupid amount over the offseason, so I would much rather come out of this game looking kind of good. Um, it is worth noting that as of right now, the Broncos are 10th in the NFL draft order. They basically, to get higher in the draft order, the only way they can do so is they would have to lose, and either Carolina, the Giants, the Lions, or the Eagles would have to win. It is feasible if they lost for Cincinnati and all those teams I just mentioned, if all those teams won, it would actually knock the Broncos as high as fifth. Um, it's unlikely. Odds are the Broncos pick somewhere between seven and 13 in the NFL draft coming up. Um, and they, they're really dependent on other teams winning to do so. Like their strength of schedule is so high that they have to have a worse record than a lot of these teams to move or anywhere. I didn't know if you have the info on that. I know Nick, uh, I asked him that a few days ago and he said he was going to dig into it. I never got a chance to check back to see if he did. Like, who do I need to be rooting for if it's not the Broncos this week in terms of teams that are just completely out of it so that the Broncos have a better draft pick? Yeah. So Carolina, the Giants, the Lions, okay. and the Eagles are the are the most likely teams to to move. Um, the Bengals, right. the Bengals play the Ravens, and the Ravens yeah, are that's playing. Not for, and the Ravens are playing for the playoffs, so like they're not right. Um, Sean Payton is also uh, starting as starters, is what I'm hearing from my people. Uh, yeah, that that are plugged into Saints Twitter. So, uh, I I would imagine Carolina is kind of a tough ask too. But yeah. I I honestly do I really do think Philly's going to upset Washington this week. I just think Jalen Hurts is good enough to pull off a little bit of an upset. I mean, I'm I'm definitely rooting for him. Uh, I, I've liked what I've seen from Hertz so far. Uh, so, but, so with that talk, I guess, moving from here, do you believe in the Mitch Trubisky slash Ryan Tannehill slash that kind of approach is possible for Drew Locke? Or do you think the Broncos should try and make a move to get a quarterback in the draft? Or, like, where, where do you stand with Drew Locke right now? Like, Going into 2021, right now, before going back over any of the tape or anything, where do you stand with Locke? Do you think going forward with him as QB1 is the right decision? Um, that's such a tough question. So I asked it. Gut feeling? I, I can't say yes. Because I just there's too many moments this year where you just look at him and you see like Blake Bortles tendencies, especially with the turnovers, are just like every single Broncos quarterback. The common denominator has been turnovers, uh, pretty much since Trevor Simeon. Like everybody has massive turnover problems when they start for the Broncos at quarterback, and. I just I'm consistent in that if they keep the team together and get a quarterback that doesn't turn the ball over once a game, 
like they're probably like a wild card team. Like they're like, but the turnovers just kill them constantly. So no, but then there's this part of my brain that, you know, I've tricked into believing, you know, the Broncos PR machine. And I know for a fact that they are coming back with Drew Locke next year. Like, I, I, I can't say anything different. He's going to be on the roster, and he's probably going to be the starter. So at this point, I think the best you can hope for is that John Elway learned his lesson, and he doesn't treat Drew Locke like a flower anymore, which he did this year. I mean, you and I both agree they should have bought in somebody for competition. I think the fact that they didn't is sort of an indictment on Drew Locke. If you don't believe that he can handle competition or what the media says, like how do you ever expect him to be a franchise quarterback? Because like that, that's part of the NFL. If you can't handle the pressure of what the fan is saying in Denver, like how are you going to handle the pressure in a close fourth quarter game? Like that, that argument from Broncos, Twitter slash the front office slash media members has never made a lick of sense to me. I just like uh, treat your quarterback. Like look at Brian Flores. He has treated his quarterbacks like adults. I mean, Tua has been benched multiple times and they're going to go back to him. And that's not the smartest idea, but Flores is a good enough coach where, and they have the right guys in that locker room where he can say, okay, we're, you know, we're benching you here because it gives us a better chance to win. That That's off topic, but I don't know. I don't know if you get as tired about uh, at, at that as I do, but that is bit, that was the most annoying part of the offseason last year was people saying, oh, well, if we bring in competition, like what's the media going to say? And like, if you're, if you're running your franchise based on what the media is going to say, that's the wrong way to run your franchise. I'm sorry, but that's just the way it is. Like Bill Belichick doesn't run his organization out of fear of the media. Like, come on. I don't know. But uh, yeah, uh, I got to stop ranting on that so, one. But So yeah. you say no, but you do think Locke is back next year. Yeah, I do think Locke is back next year, but I think they're bringing in the competition. And as far as like the Trubisky Tannehill thing, I don't think Locke's at that point in his career yet. Like I do buy the argument that he's only played like what eighteen games. Like yeah, this will be his eighteenth game. Like he he came in so late in the year last year. Like this was pretty much his rookie season. Like this was the first time you know defenses were able to plan for him. The first time he saw all that stuff and. I think he's improved, especially down the stretch here. Like we talked about, he's looked good this week. I mean, so so then my I, I, my question yeah. on that then before the draft, people considered him Jake Cutler or Matt Stafford or like guys of that nature as a ceiling. What would you say is Drew Locke's ceiling now? Now that we've seen him for seventeen games and this will be eighteen. Like if you had like gun to your head, you had to say. This is the player, his absolute top, like this is the top tier of what he can become. What do you think it is now? Do you think it's still Matt Stafford, Jay Cutler-ish? Or or is it somebody else? Right now. I know everybody likes to be super hopeful and say Josh Allen. Okay. I disagree with that. I, you know me. I've always been a Josh Allen stan. 
Yeah, you have. Like, I, I give Josh, you a ton of credit because you and I like, thought about that. Like, Josh Allen from the word jump showed that he had this in him. I've never really seen that for like Drew Locke. Drew, Josh Allen makes me feel things that very few quarterbacks make me feel. And I know that's maybe a dumb way to analyze, but I do do a lot of like, like I think a lot of what separates quarterbacks is and what makes them, you know, fun to evaluate is just like if they're like, if you look at them and say, wow, like only that guy can do that. I don't see anything of that nature with Drew Locke. I don't see anything he does and think, wow, only he can do that. Like, I, I don't see that. I saw that with Josh Allen. You know, we've seen that with Patrick Mahomes. I saw that with Russell Wilson. I don't think he's one of those types of guys. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. He's a guy we've talked about in this episode. I think he's peak Derek Carr at his peak, where... He can move the ball. He can hit some of the deep throws. And if he minimizes turnovers, he can be a high-end game manager. Okay. But I think – Do you Weber, do you think that guy is worth being patient for in an AFC West with Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes? If you believe in Vic Fangio's defense. Okay. That's fair. Because – if you believe, and, and and I think that's the most interesting thing this offseason is you've mentioned this a few times on Twitter, like so much of that defense could not return next year. Yeah. And it'll be really interesting to see where John Elway believes this roster is because the whole pitch with drafting Drew Locke where he drafted him, the whole pitch with Case Keenum was, I believe we are a Super Bowl roster with a game manager at quarterback. Uh-huh. And it'll be interesting to see how with – I know they've not been healthy this year, but with Vic Fangio as a coach, with people coming back from big injuries, Von Miller, Jarrell Casey, like basically the entire def- – every key part of the defense, I-, I think it'll just say a lot about how John Elway views his franchise depending on the defense. If – if they think the defense is that, then Drew Locke's the guy. And maybe Drew Locke isn't the guy. Maybe they just say, okay, we want a full-on rebuild, and John Elway does have the job security I believe he has, which is just otherworldly huge. Like, who is going to fire him right now? The Bullens are in an ownership struggle. Like, nobody's sure who owns the team exactly. Part of the family hates John Elway. Part of the family loves John Elway. You never know what what's going to happen with that stuff uh, it's been pointed out that his contract's up in 2021 maybe he wants to leave the broncos entirely but i think it'll be very interesting to see what he does with the defense because on one hand if the defense gets back and drew lock is what they think he is i think you and i would both agree that if he is 
an average quarterback next year and the defense plays the way they do this year, they're probably a playoff team, like a, a, a low end wild card team. And I just don't think it's that crazy to see them go in 10 to not nine to nine to 11 wins next year. If they keep the defense and, you know, lock improves as a passer and they get Cortland Sutton back, which is going to be huge for the offense. But if that doesn't work out, I mean, John Elway could walk away in 2021. And in that case, I think Drew Locke is a fine, serviceable, like, bridge quarterback while you rebuild the rest of your roster and look for other options while you, you know, try to have seasons where you get a top five pick to draft a guy like a Justin Herbert or a Patrick Mahomes. And and that sucks to hear as a Broncos fan because I don't want to sit through another 10 years of not going to the playoffs, but I'd be lying to you if I didn't think that was a real possibility. Like, yeah, the next year and a half is really going to determine where the franchise is. Yeah. Because if they're not a playoff team in a year, they need to just scrap everything. Von Miller needs to go like top down. GM needs to go. Coach needs to go for as good as Van has been. I believe like, you just need to completely tear it down if next year and the year after, uh, like two years max. But I, I would even argue if it's not there next year and you finish, you know, a five to seven win team next year, like they haven't had a winning season in five years. Like for this franchise, that's like, like that has never happened in the franchise's history before. I just think we're in a really interesting point of Broncos history where. You know, the Manning years have been dumb for a while now, and it seems like John Elway is holding on to this dream that we're, we're if he gets the quarterback, we're wandering in the, the desert. Yeah, like you know, the uh, the world is. I've said it a thousand times. We're in purgatory. Like yeah, world is tough. Um, <laughs> like, what's, interesting, what's interesting to me about the Broncos roster is the Broncos' defense is built to win now. The Broncos' offense is right. entirely on rookie contracts outside of Melvin Gordon. Yeah. And now, obviously, Garrett Bowles and Juwan James next year won't be. But but for for the most part, their entire offense is either first contract guys or young veterans, is how I would describe them, other than Melvin Gordon. Whereas the defense is an average NFL defense in terms of age, roster, like that kind of thing. So I do think um, you look at what happened this year, and as of right now, 34 different players have actually taken snaps on the Broncos' defense this year. If they can cut that down to half or even maybe 20, and the key players stay healthy, like Justin Simmons, Vaughn Miller, Alexander Johnson, Bradley Chubb, I think it's a playoff defense. I think this is a defense that could feasibly, especially with Fangio calling calling the shots, I think the defense is good enough to go into the playoffs and win games. I think with Cortland Sutton's return to health, and if Juwan James can actually lock down the right tackle spot, and I know that's a question mark, but he's uncaughtable. So as of right now, I think Juwan James, you almost have to account for him being the right tackle next year and then see if they have a backup plan. But but if those things happen, I think the Broncos are essentially a cornerback and a quarterback away. Yeah, and, and and again, like that quarterback may very well be Drew Locke, and everything we've heard from the people tied into the Broncos or with sources in the Broncos suggests that they're going to bring Locke back, give him the QB one, and then maybe have like somebody like Andy Dalton back him up and maybe fight him for a job. 
Um, I kind of hope they bring in somebody more, more promising than Andy Dalton. Like I really hope they bring in Gardner Minshew right now. I need to go back. Yeah, over the he's the guy for me too. But, but where I'm at right now, I think his moxie, I think his accuracy, I think his fit in the Shermer offense makes too much sense to not at least try. Um, so I think that's where we're at right now in terms of a timeline. I disagree with you that they should just tear it all down if it doesn't work because I think the pieces well, on then what do they do? Road. I guess is no, my no, no, question. no. And, and again, like it, we're we're looking two years down the road at that point, and it's it's hard to like. Yeah. But but I think I just like, you can't no, 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 you but, can't run. at some point. Von Miller is going to want to leave. Well, that, no. to me, that's the biggest thing. I I really do believe at some point he's going to look and say, "All right." It's been eight years since I've been in the playoffs. I'm getting to be a veteran. Like I'm going to be on my last one or two contracts here. Like it's time to move on. And at that moment. And that's, that's where Elway is going to really give us a lot of signs of what he thinks of this roster this year, because if if Elway wants to pull the plug and go really cheap on defense this year, he's going to be able to, he can easily move on from AJ Boye, Jarrell Casey and Kareem Jackson. He can move Von Miller. I know Von Miller just got hurt, but there's no way that if Elway wants to trade Von Miller this offseason, he can't. Next, right. yeah, like, there's a market. After, like the year after that, his contract's up unless they renegotiate it. So, like, but this is going to be the year where we're really going to find out how serious is Elway about trying to chase the playoffs. I think he's serious. I think he's going to try and keep most of the pieces together and try and hedge his bets at quarterback. That's my hope is that he tries to do something like that try to find a cornerback to solve the issue because I don't think AJ boy is the answer at that star cornerback position. But I think if you do that and, and kind of the, the health luck kind of pans out, the Broncos are a playoff contender next year, I think. And then again, that's really counting on Locke taking a jump, not from just where he is, but a jump from where he is to like actually league average, not like a lot right. game league average, but like an actual league average, because here's the thing about like games like the chargers game the Broncos were still running a dumbed down version of their offense. Like there's no way around that. I get that people are really encouraged by what locks stone, but they're running the training wheel offense right now. And again, that's fine. That's what works. Like if it, if it's moving the ball and getting points up on the board, like the Broncos were two screw ups away from scoring 26 points against the chargers. Like it worked, but that said, like if they're going to try and actually beat playoff teams and actually contend in the playoffs, lock has to actually make a real jump in quote unquote, year two. Um, so I'm, I'm really looking for that. And if that's not the case, I hope Elway does enough to actually protect himself instead of just bringing in another Jeff Driscoll. Yeah. I'll be interested to see if he actually like everybody's saying that, but he has never, like you've said, he has never done better than Jeff Driscoll. No, like really. So, like, so then- it's always been Osweiler or it's one of these, cheap it's bargain always, bin guys that it's, it's either been that guy or it's been a guy that you have to put on your orange glasses and look at three different like th- look through three different shades of like rainbow colors to try and find the hue because like joe flacco we tried to convince ourselves that in 2014 he was good so running an offshoot of the same offense he might be good case keenum led the minnesota miracle in the one year he was good so he'll probably be good at 20 million dollars a year like since peyton manning Elway has tried to play gimmicks at quarterback. So and here's gotta- here's the gimmick play. Here's the gimmick play this offseason that you know has been floating around. It's not Dalton. It's Foles. Foles is the gimmick play this year. 
That's for gimmick play. That's for that's for John Elway. Oh, this guy won a Super Bowl. Oh, he's tall. Like, let's get this guy in the building. Like, I would much rather have Andy Dalton than I would Nick Foles. And I, I, I honestly, I've been a big respect Andy Dalton guy. I like what he's shown with the Cowboys the past few weeks. I he's mean, good backup. If he, if he had two, I don't, I don't yeah. want him. To, if you're trying to bring in a guy who could feasibly take over as QB one, I don't want Andy Dalton. If you're grabbing a guy because you know Drew Locke is going to be QB one. And you want a competent backup behind him because Drew Locke has been hurt both seasons. He's been in the NFL. I understand Andy Dalton. Right. Here's a here's so a Heather, other than Gardner Minshew. Who's who's the other guy? Is because there's got to be more than one option. Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold makes the most sense after Minshew. Yeah, That's where I'm at. And again, that. I have to study them. So like, I'm I'm saying this from I'm not watched, fully I'm, com- but I'm I'm not. Fu- I'm not fully convinced the Jets are going to give up on Sam Darnold, I, honestly. I, I'm not either, because here's the thing. Joe Douglas has to hire another coach, and then we're going to find out what they're doing. We don't know yet. Right. Once they hire a new coach, we'll either find out if that coach wants to go with his guy or if he thinks he can fix Darnold. Um, and again, like that's where we're at in the offseason. Um, also, I'm going to put you on the spot. We'll probably close with this. Okay. Do you think Elway should trade up for a quarterback in this draft? Let's say he stops. Let's say he, they land at seven. They have an encouraging loss to the Raiders. Like They say... Drew Locke looks okay, not great, looks okay. The Broncos' defense does enough, and they lose to the game. But it's encouraging. Like, they didn't look hopeless. Um, They look kind of like how they have for the last month or so. Um, At at seventh in the draft order, and let's say they fall there, they might have a chance. And, again, like we're saying, you know, this is all crystal ball type stuff. They probably have a chance at Trey Lance. They probably are not going to get Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, or Trevor Lawrence, who are all probably going to go in the top six. Do you think at that point it makes sense for Elway to go and chase one of those three guys? Or should they grab random, you know, whoever falls to seven and see what what they got in lock in, let's say, Gardner Minshew? Uh, the only guy – well, you can take Trevor Lawrence out entirely. He's going to go like, The Jags aren't trading that pick. Nope. No matter what they get, like that there are people that. in Jacksonville who believe that there are reputable like beat reporters who believe that if that franchise gets Trevor Lawrence, they are a playoff contending team next year. And I don't tend to blame them. I think they've got a really talented offensive roster. Um they built I think the guy for next year. Yeah. I think the guy, the guy for me, and, and maybe it's just because I live here in Utah, is Zach Wilson. Like, do you think he's worth trading up for? Is my question. Yes, because you can say, "Oh, strength is schedule," all you want, but like the throws he makes, no other people can make. And I know that the Patrick Mahomes, like comparisons get tiresome but there are moments where you look at him and you say oh like the way he changes his arm angles the way he gets out of the pocket the way he makes he's willing to make the throws that no one else is willing to make and the way he's careful with the football you see those type of Mahomesian type traits I don't know a ton about Justin Fields I know people are very up and down on him but to me I've just seen the most of Zach Wilson I think Zach will. I would be thrilled if 
if the Broncos somehow got Zach Wilson. But so let's say if Drew Lock if if Drew Lock looks encouraging in this final game, say he does put up a pro day against okay. the Raiders. So he, the- he 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 has like three hundred plus yards. Then yes, I think you should stick with him and bring in Minshew. But if he doesn't look that way and you have a chance to get like a Zach Wilson, go get Zach Wilson. Okay. That, that's and knowing John Elway, I would just doubt that so much. That that's just not a move he makes. I just But you're saying not, but you're uh, saying that he should. Yeah. He's okay. not aggressive in the draft. I mean, you look at his track record, he's much more likely to trade down than he is to trade up. I I, I, I know that people will always throw around the 2018, he tried to trade up for Sam Darnold thing, but John Elway has now been the general manager long enough that you start to notice the fact that he has never aggressively pursued a top flight quarterback prospect. It's always been Paxton Lynch or Drew yeah. Locke who fell or Osweiler who was in the second round. Like Elway has never tried to actually draft – and again, the way the NFL works in today's NFL, honestly, and I looked, basically since 2011, if a quarterback is considered a top quarterback prospect, they're going in the top half of the draft. Like, that's how it works. Yeah. He always never I mean, that guy. Yeah. He, he never has – I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's an ego thing. He just doesn't want to admit that he's got the wrong guy. I, I just I, – he's always been extremely loyal to his starters. That That is the one thing with him. He's given every – he's basically given everybody a year and a half to two years. And I just think that he's going to stick with Locke. I think it is much more likely they bring in a guy like Gardner Minshew than it is they, they target a trade-up in the draft. And honestly – I might change my answer a little bit because they need so much help on defense and need to get so much younger on defense, but it's going to take a second round pick to get up to two, which is where you're going to need to be. I mean, if you're going get... up to two, you're giving up future first. Like there's no way you're getting yeah. up to Zach Wilson. Yeah. You're Zach not, Wilson is going. Him. Yeah. You're not getting him for free. Like from the guys that I trust, like actual insider guys that I trust here in, in Salt Lake, like, if he's getting drafted, he's going in the top three. Like it's like a no-brainer. He's gonna go probably two. Like the Jets have real interest in him, and it, well, Joe Douglas does at least. And it depends on who the coach is, but uh, I don't know. I just I just think that he he he. And there's gonna be some trades too. I don't think the Bengals would stay at three. I think they'd try to move down. They have a ton of other roster holes to fill, I think- but. I think if you're the Jets or the Bengals and you know that you're not going at quarterback, you're not letting that quarterback fall the four. What you're going to do is you're going to take a haul to move down. Yep. And so again, and we'll close with this. Let's say for two first round picks and two second round picks that would you make that for Zach Wilson? Yes or no? No. Okay. And, and that's not because of Zach Wilson. Okay. But just think it's not because of Zach Wilson. It's because of a price. And you just have, like, you can say injuries all you want, but they have glaring holes at cornerback that they need to fix. They have, to, if one of these safeties walks, which I mean, it wouldn't 
I wouldn't put it past John Elway to let Kareem Jackson and Justin Simmons somehow walk. Like you have to fill those holes. And those are like two of the most important pieces on your defense. Like the whole defense looks like you said, old and veteran, like it's time to start getting younger pieces there. Um, I, I just, this is to me, the Broncos need to go defense heavy in this draft. And, you know, you, you've got the offense, like you've given Drew Locke. We've talked about this in the off season, but Drew Locke has no excuses next year. Like he'll get Corland something back. I, I just, the, I, I've been thinking about that a lot recently. If he doesn't succeed next year with Cortland Sutton, then he's just not the guy. Because the way Cortland Sutton made him look in that five-game stretch and the talent of Cortland Sutton, I believe that when he gets back next year, we're going to look at him like Stefan Diggs, like DK Metcalf. like the. To me, if he had played this year and if he had put up a, a similar year, he would have been the second All-Pro. Like he just would have been. I think he's that good of a talent at wide receiver, and I think he changes the entire offense. So I, I don't think they need to do anything on offense outside of quarterback. Maybe draft – the only exception is if a killer right tackle fell to you, I'd take a tackle always just because I, I, I never think it's a bad idea to try to upgrade your tackle position. It's just never a bad idea. But – I. I think that Locke deserves another shot with a full complement of weapons. And if he can't do it with an offense with second-year Jerry Judy who's not seeing double teams and K.J. Hamler and potentially Deshaun Hamilton still and Noah Fant and Cortland Sutton, if he can't do it with that, he can't do it with anyone. So it's going to be, you know, I, I do believe he deserves another shot and I just I would not give up that much to move up in the draft. That's wait. That's you're asking to basically give up. Like if you consider first and second rounders starters, you're giving up what like four starters, almost a fourth of your starting lineup, like yeah. almost a fourth of your starting lineup. Like uh, that's not assuming, worth it. For, assuming, assuming they all hit, yeah, yeah. No, I, that, I feel that's it. not I, worth I totally it. Get it. Um, I am very, very intrigued to go over this quarterback class because that is what I'm trying to watch it for. Because realistically, unless the Broncos just fall in love with Trey Lance and I don't see it, I do think that if they're going to go after a real quarterback upgrade on lock in the draft, they're going to have to trade up. Um, I don't necessarily think Kyle Trask is going to be the guy. So I would really like Drew Locke to look good enough that we don't have to have this debate for four months. Go Broncos. Can I plug my uh, podcast really Please quick? Please do. Please do. Um, go check out the End Zone podcast. I, I have Joe on occasionally. I've got some other people on. Uh, I really try to cover most of the NFL, do a little non-Broncos stuff, and then when the Broncos you know, matter for the three months of the season that they do, I, I that we're pretty Broncos-centric, but – you know, since November, it's been pretty bleak on that front. So we've we've moved to more of the rest of the NFL, and there's exciting stuff coming out. We're doing four episodes next week with all the Black Monday stuff coming out and playoff previews and things like that. So go check that out. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Eric18Utah. And Joe, again, I think appreciate you having me on, and hopefully I didn't talk too long. No, thanks for coming on, and go Broncos. Go Broncos.